The Neighborhood, a bi-weekly podcast conversation starring University of Arkansas women's basketball coach Mike Neighbors. The Neighborhood explores the Razorback women's basketball program, words of wisdom from the path that brought Coach Neighbors to Fayetteville, interviews, and even answering questions from Razorback Nation. And now, The Neighborhood, with your head coach of the Razorback, Mike Neighbors, with your host, John Williams. And welcome to In the Neighborhood. I am your host, John Williams. And for people who do not know or who have not been to enough Razorback women's basketball games, I have been uh, fortunate enough to be the PA announcer inside Bud Walton Arena for the uh, women's Razorback basketball team. And this is an exciting, exciting time. It's our inaugural, our very first podcast that we are doing. And it is simply In the Neighborhood. And I am excited to introduce the Razorback women's head basketball coach and welcome back to Arkansas, Mike Neighbors. John, thanks. Uh, I'm going to tell you, it, it was on my pros and cons list when I heard that you okay. were the voice of. There we go. Fact. I'll, I'll bring it to you. I'll bring it on a road trip or I'll bring it to you. Fact that John Williams is okay. involved. It is, <laughs> hey, I, I'm not telling you that to make stuff up and get us off to a good start on the podcast. That's a, that's an absolute fact. Well, it did. Yeah. So way to go for that. Um, but I mean, in all seriousness, when we were, we were kicking around the idea of doing a podcast and, and everything, I was immediately excited about it because I've... I've known you over 20 years, and this is an exciting thing to have you back, and I kind of want to just lead the podcast off with talk about coming back. I mean, how, I mean, I know you can't give all the details and everything like that, but talk about the feeling of knowing that it was going to be a possibility and, and how you ended up back leading the Razorback women's basketball program. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's cliche, and I, I wish we could come up with something better to say than dream come true, but when you were 10, you didn't know better. And that's been my dream forever. I wanted to be a, a Razorback All-American in some sport. And mm-hmm. I just, I didn't work hard enough and I wasn't good that's enough at anything. <laughs> uh, I, I was pretty good at a lot of things. I was never great at anything. So yeah. that didn't work out for me. And then, you know, coaching kind of found, uh, found itself into my life. And so I thought, let's be a, a great Razorback coach someday. And yeah. um, that led to a lot of different stops along the way, a lot of different experiences, a lot of different time zones. Um uh, and all for the opportunity to come back here and uh, be back home. And the opportunity rose, and it's perfect timing. Well, that's one of the things that we were talking before the beginning of the podcast, is that this the, the people listening right now are one of two people. There are people who are uh, intimately familiar with your career and with your life and your journey. And then there are Razorback women's basketball program fans that are just now beginning to learn about you. And what I, and I, what I, when I found out you were coming back, I mean, I was leading the charge. I was like, <laughs> oh, can we get Mike to come back? And, and so, but that's me. Talk about, I mean, a little bit about where you were immediately before Arkansas, because you have had a great deal of success, uh, the places you have gone, especially where you immediately were before coming home. Yeah, Washington uh, was a, an opportunity to go from assistant coach to head coach. Um, and those years uh, were very formative for me. Uh, there was never a doubt that Arkansas was my dream job. Everybody knew it everywhere Did I Washington went. Washington know that? They knew. I said it at my press conference. <laughs> you know, I got asked, and I was very open and honest. That's the way I was going to start it out, and everybody knew it. Mm. Um, so, you know, coming back full circle, the success there uh, was the result of a lot of people uh, building that thing over the period of time and me being able to be the head coach there uh, for the four years. 
mm-hmm. um, that we were able to do the most with it. Uh, yeah. Final Four run in 2016, which was awesome. In this How week exciting. 16. I mean, just, uh, what a feeling to make yeah. it to the Final Four. Really uh, one of those things that you almost wish happened a little bit later in your career instead of in year three because you you know now you know what it feels like that's right mike final four this year <laughs> yeah We're demanding exactly it immediately. exactly um but you know the success there was it was everything i was doing every decision i got a really good piece of advice from uh some a coaching friend a long time ago who was a high school coach and he said, you know, figure out what you want to be doing when you're my age. And about that time, he was 50, right. you know, and he said, figure out what you want to do when you're 50 and base every decision from now on based on does it make that possible? Right. Does this decision make that more possible? So, you know, the the, the move to leave Coach Collins' staff, you know, we haven't talked about it. this. Is probably the first time it's ever really been talked about. But when, when Coach Gardner was leaving, mm-hmm. I was here with Coach Gardner. Right. And had come home from Colorado, and it was, uh, at that point in time, another dream come true to be back closer to home, and then that didn't work out. So here comes Coach Colin in. Uh, he didn't really think his whole staff would follow him from uh, when, he, when he made the move from Louisville, but they did. Mm-hmm. So there was no coaching positions. And for about two weeks, um, I was working in the office. Amber and I went back to sharing an office <laughs> uh, like we've been doing for a long time, and um, no coaching opportunity opened up. Uh, but then my friend Kevin McGuff, who uh, will come back, yeah. uh, he'll come around later in this this, this podcast, Absolutely. Um, made a call. And that's when I, again, use that piece of advice is, is it better for me to stay here in Arkansas right now? Or is it better me to take this job with Kevin? Mm-hmm. And it was to take the job with Kevin. Right. So and that, where was he at the time? He was at Xavier, okay. you know, in Cincinnati. And I had to look that up because there's about 25 different Xaviers. Well, and there's you know? a lot of schools in that area too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Xavier, Louisiana, Xavier College, got a Xavier. So but that's in Cincinnati. That was the one in Cincinnati. Yeah. The, you know, the, the Musketeers. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that move, that decision to, to follow that because that was what I wanted to be doing when I'm 50 mm-hmm. and I'm 48 now. So uh, we're two years ahead of plan. You and I are closer to 50 than 40, my friend. Yes, that's, that's a fact. Yeah. That's an absolute <laughs> fact as well. So, you know, everything's been based, every decision I've made, uh, you know, when, um, when the job came open three years ago, I probably wasn't ready. You know, I'd only you had one. So. I was only had one year of head coaching experience under my belt. I can understand why somebody would look and go, ah, this is a pretty big situation. Let's see a little bit. Um, but it was a motivator for me those three sure. years to say, hey, this is what we're going to do. And uh, when the job came open this time, and, and I've been very open and very candid about it, uh, I was paying attention. You know, sure. and when when you have a dream job out there, you pay attention to what's going on. Why and, was Arkansas? I know why, but why is Arkansas? Has it always been your dream job? I mean, I don't think. I mean, people need to know you're our cans and bread and butter. I mean, that's what you are. Well, um, you know, I, I I cried until a very embarrassing age when the Razorbacks lost I, uh, nobody has my mom has not yet spilled the beans and hopefully won't have her on a guest here uh till later on in the podcast take off <laughs> but uh it's something inside it's really hard to explain to anybody that's not from here right the the fact that when I grew up are you going to go to, to the university there was you never any clarification of that it was here yeah uh and li- staying up till ten thirty till the replays of the Razorbacks coming on before we had uh, raw live tv mm-hmm. you know the the replays and dodging hearing uh radio broadcasters and tv broadcasters giving us the scores so i could stay up and watch it um just the growing up uh knowing how important razorback sports are to the people of the state in this area yeah there's no state really like it no. the only other state 
that I'm even aware of that's even a similar model as Nebraska. Uh, but even they've got Creighton and they've got uh, different things like. But the, the way that the state revolves completely and utterly around one school is pretty unique to Arkansas. It is, and you know, I I, I try to explain it to people from other states, and, yeah. and they take me always with a little bit of a cautiousness or a grain of salt. That <laughs> I'm not really sure this guy's really uh, sincere in what he's saying, but it is. Yeah. So. Um, knowing that, um, the desire is a competitor to come home and leave a legacy. You know, I talk to our players all the time about leaving a legacy and, and, and certainly we probably could have stayed at Washington and left a legacy there that a lot of people would remember, but it wouldn't have been the same without my daughter being able to come to every game mm-hmm. and my son and my family, my mom and my dad, uh, they only get to see NCAA tournament games, or when we played at Oklahoma, I would specifically schedule that games closer to our. Yeah, and I, and I had to explain that sometimes to people, like, well, yeah. "Why aren't we playing Oklahoma?" <laughs> well, they're really good, uh, you know, uh, three hours, from three my hours home. to my. Uh, yeah, but you know, t- to have the ability for those guys to to be at every game, mm-hmm. uh, and and not just um, when when it's convenient, mm-hmm. um, to do that in a place that gave so much to me. You know, for me to walk into a home now and say, you can come to the University of Arkansas and accomplish a dream, I'm living proof of that. Yeah. You know, um, That's exactly a lot what of what you're doing. Yeah. A lot of places you might have that conversation and you know, it might not be genuine, mm-hmm. but uh, my, 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 my days in Greenwood High School, my, my two years at West Ark uh, Community College, it's now Arkansas Fort Smith, and sure. my, my four years up here. I know if you add that up, it's a lot of years of college, but everybody says, Less than oh. me, though, Mike. Less than me. Everybody says, oh, do you have your master's? I'm like, uh, no. Uh, I'm a doctor. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what you have your PhD? No, I, uh, I just really liked college. Yeah, yeah. So everything that those places and people that I met along the way uh, prepared me to go out and, and compete in, in all these other environments. Um, I was prepared for, for by the people of this state to go compete with the best of the best in Cincinnati and Colorado and Seattle and all these places that I've been. And it was all because of the people I met here and the things I learned from those people. So um, I wanted my legacy to be a little bit of the giving back to those people and um, the the communities and the the state that uh, brought me up. You are in the neighborhood right now with Razorback Head Women's Basketball Coach Mike Neighbors. And this is a podcast we're going to do and we're excited to do. Talk a little bit about the press conference that was that was a pretty special moment you've got your family right there you're in the new facility you're being named the head coach i mean that's got to be one of the bigger moments in your life yeah uh it's professionally for sure yeah. uh, nothing it tops the final four you know and Does i think it? yeah absolutely yeah to to look out and see family members and, and college roommates and high school coaches from the area former players uh, and then there's your family, and right there's there. there's you know aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters and uh, mom and stepdad and mm. uh, everybody that like I was talking about earlier, uh, some high school teachers. Um, you know that was that culmination of this was the right decision. As hard as it was, it was the right decision. Must and, have been tough. I mean, you'd built a pretty strong program. Sure, we had a, a lot of people that I had you know grown to love, yeah. and uh, and uh, we had a situation there that was very very good. And when when that happens, it's always difficult, but. As hard as that was, that, that those twenty five minutes up there in front of calling the hogs mm-hmm. and uh, the cheerleaders in the band and, and everything that was going on, I, I've got some pictures from that day that'll they'll be cherished for a long, long time. What's the reaction been like with Razorback fans? I know you've you've, you've met a lot of them, a lot of the season ticket holders, a lot of the people around the program, a lot of people inside and outside the department. What's the reaction been uh, since you've come back? The excitement, 
you know, genuine, authentic enthusiasm of we're really excited. We followed what happened. We watched y'all in the Final Four knowing you're an Arkansas guy. Yeah, yeah. uh, And they were proud of that. Even though it wasn't the Razorbacks, it was somebody with Razorback ties. So to be here back now, it's genuine. I can tell it's not that, hey, welcome home. Mm -hmm. Um, It's been very open and very honest. Uh, People telling me exactly how uh, they're going to be there to help. And, you know, I've been talking a lot about this. We can't do this with people in front of us or behind us. we got to do it side by side. Sure. And in getting people beside us uh, and with us in everything that we're doing, uh, the reaction has given me nothing but excitement as well that, that we can get that done side by side. Yeah. Uh, just because it is genuine. It is honest. And that's what you come to expect from, from people around here. Now, the season's it's right around the corner. Yeah. And, I mean, you, the, the great thing is looking at the roster – uh, what I was impressed with was the names I was not familiar with, but also there's a lot of people returning from the la- from last year's team. So you have a really good mix of people who are familiar with what it's like to play and have the Arkansas on the front of their jersey, and yet you've got your own imprint you're immediately going to make with new kids coming in too. Yeah, and and I thought that was really important. You know, when you look at this, you don't really want to take over a team that's that's got. It either way, a sure. lot of freshmen or a lot of seniors. You, you got the you, best of both worlds. You got the best of both worlds in this. You got people that are used to being leaders, and some people that I can count on to come in and follow those guys. Yeah. Um, and the kids that are that you recognize, those names you didn't have to look up how to pronounce. Yeah, th- that's that core group. And I met with them day one, and it was key that those kids recommit. And figuratively re-sign with us. You know, you can't really do that NCAA wise. <laughs> right, but, right, right. But we 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 put a, a little piece of paper out and said, "Hey, this is we want you with here." And I know a lot of coaches um, that when they come in, they kind of clean house and start fresh. Why do you think they do that? Uh, because they heard somebody else did it. Yeah. A ritual or tradition or somebody that they trust did it. And I'm not telling you it can't work. I've seen it work. But again, the people I was around have been around, uh, specifically the coaches I've worked for, uh, had that attitude of these kids came here for a reason and and, and you should honor that. Yeah. And I've always embraced that. And this group of kids embraced it right back. Uh, and they've been um, amazing since day one. Um, and it, it's hard to believe we're getting close to the season now Jeez, yeah. with as much as we've been through. But uh, those kids that have been here have been remarkable. And have been invaluable in helping the transition. Then you bring in the new blood, yeah, these yeah. kids that you don't recognize, the names that um, that weren't on the rosters last year and, and, and weren't Razorbacks, and they're just excited and eager. They chose us. Yeah, they chose us. They chose this staff. They chose to be teammates with the kids that were here, and to see those kids come together has just been one of the best parts about the everyday thing that we're going through now, the fellowship and the leadership coming together in, into one group. Um, and we've obviously got a long way to go before we get there, but now that we've been together almost four months, uh, you're really starting to see some signs of that every single day on the practice floor. Uh, not that you've uh, actually you could speak to it because you've coached in both. What what would the major differences between coaching, recruiting, running a program in the Pac-12 be versus doing the same thing in the SEC? Just geography. You know, when you're in Seattle, and I didn't realize it till I moved there, but if you draw a five-hour circle around the city of Seattle, 
you don't get many places. Oh, yeah, it's so far northwest. <laughs> yeah, it's so you're, far you're, up there. You're into Canada. You know, you're you're only you're four hours. If you drive five hours, you're four yeah. hours into is Canada. The Yukon not a major recruiting not, area. It's for, not, okay. not the territory. Sure. No, yeah. the, the Klondike has not been uh, the North a, a big part. Have not, a lot of, you know, okay. I actually I actually recruited Alaska a little uh, a couple of times, and yeah, I learned did. all kinds of things. <laughs> uh, but you you can just get to Portland. Right. That's about it. Wow. You, you can't even get to Spokane in five hours. So uh, the geography uh, alone is is daunting uh you have to it's fit, an obstacle it's an obstacle you have to fish in ponds that you're not natural with right. uh i had to get to know people uh, on the west coast whereas when i took this job you know of the coaches within a five-hour radius of here i probably already had 90 percent of those numbers in my cell phone nice and i could just text and say hey i'm back yeah and that was that it, so the the door is a little bit more open here than it was there and there's immediate um respect for each other as coaches so that's a, a huge part of it the travel is a, a, a big part too uh you're getting on planes every time you go somewhere there's every time. there's no place you can get a tank of gas so uh, we can get to a lot of places in a tank of gas around sure. here you draw a five-hour radius around this place and you got um, memphis you got kansas city dallas sure. you got oklahoma city tulsa you got sure. all of those yeah. yeah and you know i, I give the pac-12 a lot of credit over the six years that we were there it, it really developed into one of the battling the sec for for you know uh number one and number two in the rpi over oh, the last sure. six years it's been pac-12 sec back and forth so but the biggest difference i think is just the the universities themselves mm-hmm. um the sec itself it, the the motto of it, it it's it's you know it's just different it just means more it just means more yeah um it does and it's that's spot what on do you think that is well, I think it's the communities. I think we have a lot of communities that support their athletics like we do here, and that's that's true at almost every institution in in the SEC. That's not as it's not as that way in the Pac-12. There's more uh, Well, aren't schools more in metropolitan areas? You got Seattle, part Los of Angeles, it. you've got part like of that. it. Yeah, Phoenix, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not college towns as much and there's, you know, you, you go to a game in LA and there's 3 or 400 people in the stands because there's 3 or 400 options of what to do that night. Sure. So the thing about here is the the, the day to day, just the the way it feels. It just means more, right. and and I think that comes back into the student athlete experience in ways that that people that haven't been on both sides of it would ever experience. Yeah. So to know that we've got all those resources, we've got the support uh, to attract the best student athletes in the world, um, that changes kind of the, the doors we go knocking on. And I would say those are the two biggest differences. Uh, and then, you know, just that, that day-to-day feeling of walking around with a Razorback on your chest, just like a Gator walks around Florida. Uh, I've got a, a friend of mine that's coaching. He's a new coach at Florida, and he talks about that a lot, how different it is when every plane I get on, if I have Razorback something, I, I get talked about. You get or, approached? Yeah, I get approached. And that's not always that way uh, other places. So sure. um, that's, uh, that's what makes it special. Uh, and that's what makes it incredibly difficult. Um, and being surrounded by the people that that are on our campus, um, it just rises your level because you're surrounded by so many people who are great at their jobs. Yeah. And you want to be great at yours in return just to fit in. Yeah. What As far as facilities go when you come to Arkansas, and I know the Razorback fans – may or may not have kind of a, a grasp of just how fortunate we are as far as our facilities. Talk about the difference uh, facility-wise between not just the conferences, but between the schools and just what it's like to have those things at Arkansas. Well, it's um, it's noticeable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things that 
you immediately notice when you step on campus. Yeah. Uh, when you, you have the haves and you have the have-nots. And when you're a have-not, you talk about things other than that. You talk about the lack of importance of these things. Sure. So it's nice to have that as well. Yeah. Hey, we've got the right people, but we've also got the right brick in the mortar here. Yeah. Uh, you, you're going to be uh, around world-class people, but you're also going to be in world-class, state-of-the-art, brand new, uh, everything. And updated, yeah. And and you can see that when you walk in any facility uh, on our campus. How does that help you as a coach? Does it help you more recruiting, coaching? Is it a fifty-fifty? I mean, where does that make the biggest uh, mark for you in, in the recruiting? Yeah, to be able to say to somebody, whatever. If if there's a new iPad that comes out next month, we're going to have it. Yeah, we're not going to be operating on a generation one, you know, iPad. We're going to if there's a new one comes out, we're going to have the resources uh, at our disposal. Um, to make that a priority in your experience. And if, if you're not confident that you're going to be able to do that, you can't sell that to a kid. Yeah. And, and I know that I can walk into to any place and compete with any university in the, in the country uh, when it comes to being able to provide a great experience as a student athlete. And you got enough hoops. We got plenty of hoops. We have plenty of hoops. We got plenty. We got more balls. We have balls everywhere. The other day, I was like, "Where do we get all these?" So, yeah. No uh, excuses to not get your free throws. In. Zero, <laughs> zero reason to to be a poor free throw shooter anymore. So, yeah, uh, all of those things come hand in hand. It always does come back to being the right people. But it's certainly nice to. We've lost recruits in the past. Uh, places I've been, we've lost recruits to places that due to like facilities yeah, and not absolutely. having those things. Yeah, people were all equal, but coach, it just came down. And when we hear these conversations, when we get let down, you know, we get broken up with. Yeah. Uh, I like to use that reference because <laughs> it's not it's not you, it's me. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> John. We'll talk about this a lot on these podcasts. My entire recruiting philosophy is I absolutely mirrors my dating philosophy. <laughs> so congratulations. I, I'm not so sure. We'll figure that out later. But it is a, it is a look into me yeah. on on how i how i've treated this but mm. yeah it's the hey coach y'all were great it's just uh, this person's driving a nicer car yeah the quarterback's driving yeah. a, a corvette and you're yeah. in your impala <laughs> so you know it's nice to take that um variable out of the equation because we'll never have that we'll never have a kid call us and say hey it was it came down to basketball e- facilities and i'm not going where you are no no that's, that's never that's never going to happen in in computer labs and all the things that uh, that they have on our campus that's never going to be an issue for us real quickly while we're talking about facilities the 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 the, the jerry jones family center that's got to be something you don't see on very many campuses at all no that's the highlight of our tours is it really no, absolutely it's the highlight for two reasons one you get that ah moment when you walk in but then uh, we also with with Miss Lisa, mm-hmm. um, when she sets with a family, they every family that ever walks out of that meeting says, "Yeah, she's impressive." Yeah, and that's it, the scholastic aspect of it, which is so important. It's it's, it's half of, at least yeah. half of it, and in the women's time, sometimes it's more than half. Yeah, yeah, you know it really is. Uh, some kids, uh, it's more than half. So it's a very important thing. That facility is gorgeous. Uh, without you know, the support of Jerry Jones and, and the, the financial support of that. We probably would have one, but it wouldn't be the highlight of your recruiting trip. It's a jewel. Tour. It's a jewel. Uh, it's very well designed. It's right in the heart of Athletic Village and our campus right there. Where I used to be a PA at Pomford Hall. There you go. Yeah, I know. It's a <laughs> lot different than – it looks a lot different than when – Oh, does uh, Yeah, lots, lots different. We're missing – there's lots of stories in there. I'm glad those walls can't talk. Another podcast. Yeah, another podcast. <laughs> but to have that there in the place with the people that are in it, um, it's it's one of those things that we always put in into our recruiting visits in a time mm-hmm. when we want those people's full attention because it gets it. 
And you're in the neighborhood, by the way, with uh, Razorback head women's basketball coach Mike Neighbors, and, and and I love talking about what we want to do with this podcast is kind of hit a bunch of different things. And when I was asked to do this podcast with you, I was not familiar, and I don't think a lot of Razorback fans are, I'm sure some of them are, about the newsletter. Yeah. Uh, that you have been doing for quite a long time. That how many subscribers and people? Well, did it? we've we've been without sending it out now for about three and a half months yeah. uh, in the transition, and I think we've probably added at least a thousand members since then. I, I haven't got an exact count on it because normally when we input it, it's got a little running total, but. Sure. When we left, we had 77,647, and I would guarantee we've added at least another 1,000. I've spoken in enough clinics Mm -hmm. and just word of mouth coming back. Uh, It's about 1,000 every month and a half, two months, just because of the sheer number. It's like a pyramid scheme. You know, It, It literally started out with two people. Uh, at Benville High School, that's how it started. You and you and the general, me and the boys coach. The general was not there yet. Jeff Hagers had yet to be employed uh, at the univer- at, uh, at at Benville. But it was you and the and the boys coach. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, Walmart had donated money for computers. Ah, and yeah. and nobody. I mean, I didn't have a home computer. None of us did. It was sure. it was that year. Those years. It was yeah. ninety. You had a Commodore sixty four. Yeah, if you were lucky, playing your yeah space into the trail, <laughs> Oregon Trail. Wasn't it called Oregon Trail? I think. Right, but. We had to come in on Saturdays and learn to use these computers they had given us. And Pegasus email was like, you know, the, the very first that's thing a, that came. That's a time. How warp. about that time warp? Jeez. Oh, but but we had so we learned how to use Pegasus email on a Saturday, and we show up on Monday, and I've got this brand new state of the art computer on my desk, and I have an email address, and I don't, I don't know anybody to email. <laughs> so I, I email our boys coach, our boys coach at the time, and I say, hey, "What are y'all doing in practice today?" and he sent me back what they were doing. I sent him what we were doing, and that was the birth of the newsletter. Nice. Um, the next and now week, you're close to eighty thousand. Close to eighty thousand. It'll go over that. Our goal is a hundred. You know, we set out a few oh, we'll years ago. We'll get to a hundred thousand, and yeah. um, it's 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 all fifty states. It's over fifty three countries. Um, there's stories wow. about the newsletter. I got recognized in Moscow, Russia. In the middle of Red Square. Well, why wouldn't you? Yes, by a guy <laughs> who saw my Washington sh- shirt and said, oh, "I get emailed from uh, Washington." Red and Razorback, right? Exactly. Right yeah. And he he wasn't he he didn't believe me that I was him. I had to show him my ID. And wow. yeah, it was crazy. So the newsletters is spread all over the world. Um, it's it's stuff kind of like our podcast is going to be. Yeah. It's it, it's going to have some basketball stuff, right? It's going to have some inspirational stuff. It's going to have a lot of pop culture. Yeah, uh, talking about movies and books and all the things that we're going to talk about, uh, and that's what that does on a weekly basis. Well, what I wanted to do, and what I want to do every podcast, is I was informed that you made a list of the mistakes that you have made along the way from the beginning of your journey to where you literally are right now. Yeah. And I'm sure that I, I think I speak for everybody that those mistakes would total around four, maybe five. But, um, <laughs> how, how many have you counted uh, that you've actually documented as the mistakes you've made? Well, the, the piece you're talking about was my very first year, yeah. uh, and it was 418. 418? Yeah, in that year that I could that could pinpoint to directly as was a major mistake. Um, and then at the end of that year, I took those 418 things and I kind of categorized them into some areas, you know, some of them were very, very similar. Um, and and I got down to about 12 areas and I wrote a piece. It ended up being uh, about 35 pages long by the time I got done with it. And uh, something I've shared with corporations and businesses and teams and, uh, coaches all over. Um, I get, I got, I get requests for it almost every year. Hey coach, I'm a new coach. I don't want to make the same mistakes or I want to know what they are when they're coming. 
Um, and it was lethargic for me. Is that the word? Lethargic? Or cathartic. Cathartic. It's cathartic. Not lethargic. It's lethargic probably for me, cathartic for you. <laughs> there you go. It's, it's cathartic. Yeah, it was yeah, yeah. cathartic yeah. Uh, for me to, to do that and share it with people and try not to make the same mistakes. I've made some in this transition because I didn't know. The last time I just moved over 18 inches from one chair to the next and one office to the next. Right. Now I've moved across the country. So there's going to be certainly some to add to it. But what are some of when you when you talk about it, do you, you say the 12 areas? Do you talk about the you talk about the specific areas or is there one mistake that like really sticks out to you is wow, was that a game changer? Or is yeah. that something that really man, it was it was a fork in the road and if I had done A, then I wouldn't be here on B, or, or is there one that really Yeah, there's out? one that sticks out. I, 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 told, uh, I told the truth to people who didn't know to trust me yet, hmm. and that can be a problem. People have to trust you before you can tell them the truth, and, and I didn't get that. And I'm not saying I told people lies. I'm not telling you sure. that I was um, uh, you know, going out of my way to not tell the truth. I just didn't share some things with people. I should have. I shared too much with some people that I didn't know yet, and they didn't have reason to trust me yet. Uh. And you know, as I look back on it, a number of the major ones that caused the biggest problems stemmed from that. Hmm. You know, I was too open. I was too honest in information sharing. Um, not again that I ever lied to them, but I just shared too much information with people before I trusted them, and they wow. trusted me. And, and you start to think back about it now, and you know, trust is the number one pillar that we talk about in our program and in everything that we do. And, and it comes from that book, five languages of love. Mm -hmm. If you've ever Gary Chapman's book, uh, trust, he he talks about, that's what keeps you from having to be perfect. Yeah. If you trust somebody, you don't have to be perfect all the time, Right. but if you don't trust somebody, they pretty much have to keep it. They have to be perfect. Almost. Yeah. They can have no flaws. That's right. And and I'm not going to be perfect. So, um, the going out and earning people's trust was something that uh, when you take over as a coach, you think, hey, I'm the head coach. People are just supposed to respect me. Yeah. Nah, it's not, that's not modern day. Right. But, you know, I've heard we, Tiger Woods' father talk about that. I mean, Tiger Earl Woods has, has said things that, that are very interesting and are kind of counterintuitive to the way that the parents believe. They think that, oh, I'm the father. Mm-hmm. You have to respect me. Right. And as a father, I've always looked at it from the way he said, which was, I'm you have to earn my I have to earn your respect the same way you have to earn mine. Yes. And that's the way I try and parent is I look at my kid and I go, I gotta earn his respect too. Because if you look at it from a you have to do this, you're probably not gonna get it. And with you know, we're gonna we're gonna get into the IY generation and some of these millennials with mm-hmm. one of our guests coming up in the future, but um, you know, he has a, a great line when he says leverage is the lowest form of leadership. Mm. That's and a that's great phrase. Spot on. Yeah. He's so concise in that. If your lever, if your if your leadership style is the leverage of, I'm the boss of you. Mm-hmm. It might work with a four year old, or it might work for. It really doesn't work with them either. For and very it might long. work for a short amount of time, sure, but it won't work long term. Doesn't inspire somebody. It yeah. may motivate them to do something, but it's not going to inspire them to do it on their own. So, yeah, uh, you know, you take those things in there, and, and knowing that I couldn't just say, "Hey, I am the head coach." Uh, and it was a unique situation for me because I'd also been those people's assistant coaches. Sure. <laughs> so that transition, that was the biggest one. And, uh, you know, of all the other ones are, are certainly important, but that's the one that I made sure that I, I, I'm not allowed to creep in as I've now been a head coach now, starting my fifth year. Yeah. And in this transition, uh, I made sure that I earned these people's respect and their trust rather than just saying, I'm the boss of you. Okay. And I think 
along those lines, then everybody around our program does that as well. Yeah, uh, our players, um, uh, our support staff, uh, everybody sees it first rather than just hears about it. Wow. Well, that's awesome. I, I really that's what I'm excited about. That this podcast is it's not just. I mean, obviously, it's going to be a lot about the Razorbacks, sure. coaching the Razorbacks, the girls on the team, and things like that. But kind of learning your philosophy of of why and how you're going to lead this program and the things you've learned along the way from day one till today. And I was so fascinated by that that list. I was interested. I'm like. It takes a lot for someone to even admit they made that many mistakes. I mean, <laughs> yeah. and and for I mean, were you just every time you like you just immediately write it down? I, you see me, I'm sitting here with a pad and a pen. I, I did. <laughs> I, I wrote it down. I, I got kind of lucky. Um, I uh, am a. Well, I work with Nike, yeah. and we are a Nike school there. And I had been a part of their Villa Seven, which was kind of a a coaching uh, mentorship that Nike sponsored. And I'd been a part of that for two years mm-hmm. as an assistant coach. And the person that led that, she's now working in the in the NBA offices with their transfer, with Nike's taking over the NBA. But she said, hey, I want you to come back next year and be our speaker rather than a person here as the mentor. I want you to speak to it your first year. Yeah. So I was thinking, wow, I've, I've been sitting here listening to these people for the last two years, and I got good thoughts, but nobody was ever really fully vulnerable yeah. to get up there. And they were a little bit guarded and... You know, one one coach had got up there and said, "Well, I was completely ready for this job, and I was I had I didn't make any mistakes." And I'm thinking, "Come on, man! All right, well, <laughs> this, you know." And yeah. I thought, you know, I'm going to go the exact opposite. I'm going to write down everything I did, and I did. I just kept that list running, and it just kept piling up and piling up. And you know, somebody did the math. I think that's 1.74 per day. Yeah, as you say, yeah, 365. You got to do, do the math. But there were a lot of days we had off too, so I had zero <laughs> mistakes those days. There was there were mistakes three or four times uh, a day, uh, and I and I caught myself uh, going back and looking at those lists when they had. I wrote down the dates. I wrote down what they were, and uh, yeah, that I got lucky that I was knowing that ahead of time. Yeah. But then at the end, the more I started doing it, the more I thought this is going to be something I can share with people. Yeah. And I walked into that meeting and I shared it with them and, uh, I'm sure you got a, a lot of people that were like, this is so different. Someone's actually saying, yeah, I did this or that. I wish yeah. I had done differently and things like that. Yeah. Some, some executives at Nike were in the room and said, Hey, we want you to share this with some people in our, in our company. And, uh, I had some, I spoke to some members at Whirlpool and some, uh, people out there in, in different companies uh, in Seattle about that list, not basketball whatsoever, just that it, cause I think it's in general, uh, can help anybody that's, that's taking over a leadership role. Um, you know, everybody wants me to write a book someday, and I've already got my title for it. It's what to do when you're the dumbest guy in the room. That's going to be my title. That's my title. No, I'm the dumbest not, guy in the room. Not today, you're not. You might have been yesterday, but not today, you're not. But I grew up around a bunch of cousins mm-hmm. who, um, you know, are now doctors and very, very, uh, in in very, very. Not the dumbest guys. Not in the, room. the dumbest guys in the room. Yeah, thirty-five <laughs> ACTs, and I, I couldn't figure out how they were getting to add their. My brothers, up. I was gonna say, darn it, you took my line. Yeah. My brothers and I added up to a thirty-five. Yeah, his yeah. was a. Th- I thought I had an eighteen and seventeen, so I had a thirty-five too. But um, I've always been that person everywhere I've been, so I've always tried to kind of arm myself with more data, and that's what led me to become an avid reader, yeah. uh, and and a listener and a writer, uh, and and try to share uh, with people that share with me. So. Uh, when you're that guy and you know you're that guy, it's okay because you do have to read and you have to study and you have to learn from your mistakes. And Why do you think leaders are so hesitant to show vulnerability? Because I think it's scary. I think it's really scary that somebody's going to say, 
oh, we just hired this guy who made 418 mistakes? Really? <laughs> but I think people that are, are in those positions know how many times you make mistakes every day, and it's how you bounce back from those things. And uh, if, if you know, I, I say it all the time, I really want to hire people who have been in tough situations and know how to get out of them. Yeah. And, you know, there's – um, you know, West Wing's going to come up an awful lot. I can already sure. tell the number of times we have it, but that that great exchange between Leo and Josh about the guy that fell into the hole, right? And podcast listeners can go out and uh, get on their their favorite search engine or YouTube and find that. But I, we know how to get out of the hole, yeah. you know. So I, I want people in the hole with me that know how to get out. And if you've never been in the hole, uh, you don't know. And then they'll like us when they win. That's that, that <laughs> seems to be more. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think too it. it it, it does open it up. But I think a lot of leaders are just afraid that people won't buy their books if they say that, or they won't listen to their podcast, or they won't um, believe in what they're trying to, to lead. Or the people they're trying to lead won't fear them, or That's right. things like that. Yeah, and it's just, and, and maybe some people can handle that, their personality can can handle that. Mine's not going to be that way. Uh, there's, you know, there's, there's too much evidence of my past that I've had failures. And if if you're not vulnerable about that and willing to to say to your kids, then there's always this fear that they have to be perfect. Yeah. And you know, I think once that got to be part of our culture with our team, um, that's when our kids really took off and soared, and they were uh, they were able to stretch beyond even where maybe they even thought they could go. And, and that's my goal with everybody that touches our program, whether it's a player, a coach, a fan, um, and and opposing fans. You know, I, I think if we can touch anybody and inspire them in any shape form or fashion then you know that's what we're supposed to do as coaches now obviously coach one of the people we talked about early in the podcast is somebody that you have had a lot of uh, experience with and that is the head coach of and i have to say it correctly the ohio state university that's coach (laughs) kevin mcguff coach welcome to in the neighborhood and uh our very first podcast with coach neighbors Great to be on with you guys. I appreciate you getting that right. Yeah, well, you can't get it wrong. And I, I have uh, the partner I do my morning show with is a huge Buckeye fan. So I, if I don't say the Ohio State University, I get a whole bunch of grief about it. So I had to make sure I said it right. <laughs> awesome. Now, obviously, we're, this is our podcast with Coach Neighbors. And I asked him, and I said, what, what coach could we bring on that we could obviously have you know on the podcast that could kind of talk about the journey that he has made and taken to get from point A to point Razorback, and you were the first name he brought up. Literally the first name he said was you, and so we were really happy to have you on the podcast. And, and talk a little bit about the journey that you have seen Mike make uh, on his way to becoming Razorback head basketball coach. Well, um, obviously it's been a great journey for Mike. He's worked extremely hard, and, and he's earned everything along the way. He's really paid his dues, and I was really fortunate to, to be a part of it. And, and the thing I love to say about um, our experience together is that it worked out exactly the way it's supposed to. And what I mean by that is when somebody comes to work for you, there's an expectation that – or somebody comes to work for me that I have an expectation they're going to do a great job um, for me and for the program – and then also what, what you know, a coach like Mike should expect that I can help him then move on to do what he wants to do after he's done a great job. And so I felt like, you know, Mike and I had some very productive years at Xavier in Washington. And we, when we parted ways, when he got, ultimately got the head coach at Washington, that day I felt like, hey, Mike had done a phenomenal job in helping us do some really special things at Xavier and at Washington. And I felt like I had done a, done a great job 
giving him an opportunity to really impact the program and take on a lot of responsibility to where he was now um, in a great position to run his own program, and, and that's the way it should be. It yeah. was a great, it's been a great relationship, you know, and, and we both benefited greatly from it. So you actually saw Coach Neighbors go from being an assistant coach to being a head coach. What does it take for somebody, as Coach Neighbors has done, to make that leap? And what did you see in him for him to be able to make that leap? Because it's a pretty wide chasm uh, to go from assistant to leading your own program the way he has now successfully done. It really, it, it really is. It's a big leap, and, and a lot of it has to do with obviously, like anything in life, preparation. And you know, I I saw in Mike from the from the very moments we started working together, an incredibly talented coach. And so at Xavier and at Washington, both I gave him a lot of responsibility and a lot of insight. You know, he he was as close to that chair, uh, the head coach chair, as you could possibly be. And and I did that because I just I really believed in him, and, and I believed that the more I gave him at both those places, the more he would really impact our program, and in turn, it would help him get prepared for that job. And and like we had a really I think unique relationship in that you know I I I, I tend to say some of my strengths are I have like really good kind of big picture visions for the program, and every time I had a great idea or great something I thought would really be great for the program. Mike was really instrumental in helping me take it from idea to actually implementing it and how we were going to do it operationally. And so that's what a head coach does in a lot of places. So he had a lot of experience in taking some of the ideas that we had and really implementing them and infusing them into the program. Uh, but even having said that, as much, as much as I gave him responsibility, and like I said, he had more responsibility than any other assistant coach in the country. I just I believed in him that much. So he, he had a great... Um, a great foundation for moving over to head coach. Now, even having said that, it's you, you're still there's going to be a learning curve for everybody when they get in that chair. I, I always like to tell people it's like going from an uncle to a parent. Oh, wow. You're an uncle, and you have a niece, you have a niece or a nephew, and you're like, "Hey, I got this. I've been around kids. I know what I'm doing." <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you have a child, and you know what? You, you kind of had preparation for it, but there's some things you just never really knew until you actually did it. Uh, yeah, that's a great analogy. You're in the neighborhood, by the way, with the head coach of the Ohio State University, uh, Coach Kevin McGuff here, and and talking about your guys' relationship. Yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, when I was telling you that my experience with Kevin was what got me ready to be a head coach. Uh, the other coaches I'd worked for had all helped me be a better assistant coach. Right. Hey, you're gonna, this is going to help you be a better assistant. This is going to help you be a better assistant. But from day one at Xavier, that responsibility that Coach is talking about, I, um, I knew how rare it was for yeah. a head coach to have that confidence right. and, and to give that up. So I tried to make the most of every single opportunity that came up. And, you know, I think coach knows for a long time, I, I wasn't really sure I wanted to be a head coach. And a part of it was because I felt like I was a head coach already. Sure. And, you know, we're a, a top five team there for the last four years that, that we were there and, you know, a couple of layups away from a Final Four one year. And, and we'll talk about that later. That's another podcast, isn't it, Coach? Uh, that's <laughs> yeah, that's a, another podcast. For, that's another podcast. That for way later. Yeah, that's, that's for way later after we get through with uh, talking about Breaking Bad, which John shares a lot oh, for. Oh, Coach. Coach, he's got – Oh, uh, yeah. He, he's oh. – He's yeah. got uh, he's got posters in there. So uh, I have a signed picture of Mark Margolis. Yeah, uh, and wow. I also have a replica of his bell. 
yeah. just thought I'd just wow. tell you that. Well, he's ahead of us in, in fandom. He's ahead of us in fandom. Yeah. But I told him yeah. that uh, once I, I introduced him to Hannah Johnson's dad, that he might be a little bit. We might be equal with him after we take him on the tour down there in Albuquerque. Yeah, take sometime. him on the tour. That's right. That's we'll take exactly him on the right. tour, and he'll he'll get back up with us. But. You, know, that, you guys are going to have to play. You guys are going to have to schedule a game with New Mexico so you can get out there. <laughs> I'm going to call Bradbury right when we get out of here. I'm going to call, <laughs> call Bradbury right now and see if the Razorbacks uh, uh, can. And we'll do a live podcast uh, from the set of Better live Call Saul. I think that'd be fun. That's but, right. Um, you know, those days that, that we were together, uh, that responsibility, that that was really part of why I, I, I wasn't sure I needed to be a head coach. I felt like a head coach yeah. every single day, and um, it was – when Kevin took his job at the Ohio State, his his dream job, and that was when he said, "You can do this." I still remember him yeah. saying, "You can do this thing, man. You can. You, not only yeah. can you get this job, you can do the job." Coach McGuff, how right. early on did you know uh, when you had Coach Neighbors on your staff? I mean, how early on was there a moment? Was there a, 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 a like a, a, a situation? Was there a trip? I mean, was there something where just the light bulb just went on, or or was it a process where you you kind of saw the the, the possibilities? Well, I think it was a bit of a process, but it didn't take long, I'll say that, because, you know, number one, Mike uh, distinguished himself, uh, you know, in my eyes, you know, as one of the top assistants in the country through his work ethic. Um, His organizational skills are outstanding. Uh, I mean, just little things. I remember one thing, like, you know, I'm sure Mike talked to you about his newsletter. Well, when we got to Xavier, the Xavier men's basketball program had a newsletter, and then, you know, Mike and I were, you know, sitting in the office, and he kind of said, hey, I think maybe I should do it. I said, absolutely do that. Take it, run with it. Make it great. Make it the best in women's basketball in within a year. He had the best newsletter in women's basketball going, and now he's probably got the best newsletter, not women's basketball, just basketball, period. Yeah. I mean, it's all over the world. And so just things like that led me to believe early on that you know, he certainly had the talent, skill, and most importantly, work ethic to be a great head coach. Yeah, I mean that's and that's really what it's all about. And what Arkansas fans are really excited about is obviously the track record uh, that Mike has built on his way here. Ohio State is your dream job. What were some of the challenges that you had to face taking a job that meant so much to you emotionally and personally? I mean, I think that when you get into a situation like like I'm in or Mike's in, you put a lot of pressure on yourself because yeah. this is the only place that you want to be. You take it very seriously. You have a lot of pride in being here, so you want to make it great, and you want to make it great in a hurry. And it just doesn't happen that quickly. But there's a lot of pressure, more more internal than anything. I'd say the most pressure I have on myself here is what I put on myself to know that I'm at this great institution um, in a great state where I grew up, and this is really my dream job. And I want it to be great. I want it to be among the best in the country. And I think Mike will have the same thing in Arkansas, not because of the pressure that the administration or the fans are going to put on him, but what he's going to put on himself. Yeah. He wants that to be great. And, and it, it, it's, it's going to be great. Um, and I, I, I really think this in, in college athletics, not just women's basketball, oftentimes it, it's not about like who's the best coach in the country that you can get for a particular job. It's the best coach for that job. Yeah. And I can honestly, I can very easily say, I don't care if you're hiring Gino Ariema or any of the other great coaches. The best coach for the for that job, Arkansas women's basketball, is Mike Neighbors. Yeah. And um, people are gonna people are gonna know that very quickly. They already know that. I mean, I, I can guarantee you, there's not a state in the country where the high school coaches feel more important and more a part of that program than Arkansas right now. Um, the fans are going to feel that when he gets a chance to get out in the community and reach out to them and connect with them. The recruits in the state are going to feel that. 
because no one in college basketball has more passion for that program than Mike Neighbors. So absolutely. they absolutely made the right hire. And and could Mike be a, could have gone other places and been a great coach? Yes. But there's no one that they could have hired who would do a better job than Mike. Coach Neighbors, I mean, obviously you guys have had a lot of success together personally and professionally and things yeah. like that. What's the number one thing you've learned from Coach McGuff uh, as far as how to run a program? What's important? You know, you can only be – only so many things can be the most important thing. Yeah. And he was so good at making difficult things simple. And that's hard to do. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about Steve Jobs – uh, and Jeff Bezos and you know Howard Schultz. Kevin got really crushed on Twitter when we got to Seattle. And he talked about reading. On, remember when you were reading Upward Coach and you got crushed? Yeah. On Twitter. Yeah. But yeah, he's the guy that taught me to to read and experience other things and 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 go out there and try to take hard things and simplify them. And we had a really what do you hard mean by job. That? Give me an example. Well, just you know, any idiot can make things more complicated. Yeah. I think it takes real <laughs> genius to simplify things. Uh, we had one of the most talented teams in the country at Xavier, and we were pretty basic in what we did. And everybody wanted us to do all this other stuff. And Kevin always looked at him like, eh, okay, well, try to beat us doing what we're doing right now. Right. And it was it was n- the things that are important to you, keep them simple, but then fight diligently every day to defend those things. Right. Anything that was counter to our culture, he confronted head on. And you know what he did after? He moved on. Hmm. There was never a grudge, uh, and, and I, we always joke about him because we think he's got the the biggest case of ADD of any head coach in the country. <laughs> he would, uh, coach, probably true. He, probably would, true. he yeah. would walk in the office, yeah. and we'd talk about something, and five minutes later, it was if it was something we need to move on from, we moved on. It, yeah. doesn't, it doesn't keep coming back up. So I, I learned the simplicity, and, and the kids are the most important thing. The student-athlete's the most important part of what you're doing. And make every decision based around that, but but be simplistic. And you know, we talk about Twitter. I use that, and I told you yeah, this story. This is a perfect story, segue yeah. into it. And you know, Coach, I know you'll remember this day because I'm sitting at my desk uh, at Xavier, and I'm updating our MySpace page. Okay, <laughs> time more. Okay, now, hey, Coach, we had the best. And by the way, all the, all the recruits country. out there. All, yeah, yeah, we did. We had the best MySpace page that no one was about to look at. Around. That's right. I mean, it was tremendous. It, it played uh, DMX. X going to give it to Did you. You use your Napster yeah. with it. I oh, mean, we had no. Right. Let's not even get started on that. But it was the apps. I had learned to drop code in here. We had it was all black. It played DMX. X going to give it to you. X. You know when you load on. I, we had players coming on there. We had scrolling pictures, and and I just figured out how to add video. And, and I'm sitting at my desk, and and he walks in like he always does with. Hey, I was uh, reading something on um, the, the. I don't remember where you were probably in the paper back then. I read something in the paper. Yeah, right. on a plane. There's there's this new thing coming out called Twitter. Mm-hmm. I really think it's going to be big. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. I mean, you know, as I'm updating, leave my, me alone my, with my MySpace. My MySpace page is killing <laughs> right, right, me, right, coach. Right. I just figured out I how got to, my new top eight. I just exactly, exactly. I got new eight <laughs> friends following. We got we actually have some recruits on here now. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I spent hours trying to learn how to write code to drop in that song, and I was so proud. And he goes, "Well, he goes, I don't know. Next time, let's let's check this Twitter out." And I guarantee we're going to go back and research it. But I guarantee he was the first Division One head coach in any sport to be on Twitter. No you can go back. Yeah, it was way back, wow. way back. Yeah. 
um, so far back that it wasn't even regulated by the NCA at that time. So wow. uh, we, right. we got to use that to our benefit a little bit uh, sure. until people. Yeah, right, up. right, right. You remember yeah, that? Right. Remember that summer? But <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah. Yep, I do. So as a result, you know, I think that just yeah. is a is a little bit of a microcosm of the picture of how. This guy's been playing chess when everyone else is playing checkers. When everybody else has been playing checkers for years, yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's why Xavier, which was a, a powerhouse on the men's side for a number of years, became right. a powerhouse on the women's side because he was way ahead of his time. And then you, you segue that into the last thing that we'll talk about with with Kevin. I think that a lot of people will always have in common is the two Kelseys. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I remember the 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 vividly the day Kevin walked into the office at Washington and said, "Hey." Uh, our personnel's getting ready to change, and we're going to need to change styles of offense. Let's spend this summer looking at this, that, and the other, and let's let's figure out what we're going to do. Kevin, you remember that conversation? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we settled in on the dribble drive. You know, after yeah. a lot of debate, we we bounced around Princeton and a little bit of high post stuff and a little bit of, but but Kevin really got had a conversation with Vance, and then um, you know, next thing you know, with the dribble drive kind of became ours Mm -hmm. and we tweaked it and toyed with it and um i I think coach will agree that at the this time next year we're going to be sitting here as the the head coaches of the two all-time leading scorers in the history of our game wow don't you think i I think that's correct i think that's correct they're both named kelsey they're both left-handed and they both played in the same offensive system so do you i mean do you adapt i mean do you adapt your coaching philosophies to the talent you have on hand play to their strengths is that something that obviously you want to do when you've got talent like you do have with the kelseys i guess yeah, and, and, you know, part of it, like, we have a system and a style of play that I really like and, and I think we'll continue to um, stick with over the years. But we'll, we'll tweak it year to year based on maybe, like, if we had a little bit of a different recruiting class, we brought in a different type of talent. But it's something I believe in and something, something I think we'll stick with for a long time. Wow. I mean, congrats. That's an amazing stat with the Kelseys. I mean, that, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty super, cool. I mean, uh, there's been some amazing players in the history of women's college basketball, and they're numbers one and two, or going to be probably? They're potentially, yeah. Potentially, yeah. Barring, barring injury and anything yeah, not else would, and, Yeah, I think, the, the, and that's going to be a, it's going to be a topic. I've already spoken with some people at the SEC network and, and with wow. uh, ESPN. You know, the, the chase this year of Mitchell trying to catch Plum, the two Kelseys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's going to be a topic in a story and you know they've got a great team you know the one thing that's that's going to be tough is is he's got a top five team he's sitting there with preseason every right. preseason sorry yeah. coach i'm gonna put that out there on uh, no yeah, right. coach. <laughs> every no every <laughs> every preseason right. magazine in the country's got these guys in the top five and some is you know uh the, the final four is in columbus this year so oh, there's gonna be a lot of uh, yeah yeah gonna be a yeah. lot of excitement that? around that and, well other uh, than that coach i mean there's really no pressure surrounding your season <laughs> other than uh, <laughs> nothing nothing to see here nothing, nothing to see here uh but I, well, well, Coach. One last thing before we we let you go. We know you're very busy. What would the one thing? I mean, this is our first podcast with Coach Neighbors. The one thing Razorback fans should know about moving forward with where the Razorback women's basketball program is and why it is in the right hands with, with Mike. Well, I mean, they're going to be really, really excited about a lot of things. But I think number one, Mike's work ethic and how hard he's going to work to. Um, let the people of the state of Arkansas know that um, this is an incredibly important endeavor for him, and, and he's going to reach out. He's going to get a lot of people invested in their program. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing, he's going to have an extremely exciting style of play. I mean, that's going to take a little time to evolve to where they can get 
he'll embrace the team he has, and he'll take them and put them in position to be successful, but then he's going to recruit to a certain style like we just mentioned. And over time, you're going to have an incredibly hardworking um, group of kids. You're going to have an exciting style of play, and you're going to have a head coach that's incredibly invested in that community and that state, and I think people are going to love him for it. Well, Coach, I, I want to thank you, obviously, for being our very first guest in the neighborhood, and it's obvious why you know Coach Neighbors was so excited to have you on the show, and we really appreciate you being on, and best of luck this coming season, uh, making it to the Final Four in your hometown. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks, Absolutely. Coach. Hey, Kevin, have a great day, man. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. You betcha. That's uh, Coach Kevin McGuff of the Ohio State <laughs> University, and it's obvious you guys great friends, and learned uh, you learn a lot from him, and uh, that must have been an amazing experience being with him on the bench in, in Washington and things like that. That's incredible. Yeah, and in going back to those days at Xavier too, mm-hmm. just seeing um, you know the way he dealt with every situation that that comes full force, and you know we didn't even get into it while he's on here, but we were talking in the office. He, He's, he's got six kids between the ages oh of 13 and four, and gracious. he's managing, and he's a great example of uh, for our student-athletes to see that as a great example for me to see about how to balance things and find the rhythm. Yeah. You know, there's there's no such thing as balance in, as a coach. Uh, all these coaches that are chasing balance in their life are doing it wrong. <laughs> it's, they're, it's They should stop. It's not going to happen. But you find the rhythm. You find yeah. that rhythm of when you can have family time, and, and he was a great example of that, and he's – He's somebody that's going to know uh, as much about Razorback basketball as anybody because he he gets every idea I have bounced off of him. Uh, he's uh, you know he's the guy I take to to, to shoot holes in ideas and uh, poke holes in things that we're doing, and uh, he can uh, he'll he'll know as much about the Razorbacks. And I'm telling you, he'll be following those scores as closely as anybody. Well, uh, not I mean, wearing a Razorback. That guy is clearly one of the best coaches in America, regardless. Yeah. And, and and what he's built there is 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 pretty fantastic. And I wasn't aware the Final Four was going to be in Columbus. Columbus, Ohio, it's going to be a big deal. Um, you know, it's the first time it's been back up in that part of the country since uh, we had it in Cleveland a few years back. And yeah. you know, Columbus is a great town. It was. It's kind of a little bit big. Columbus big. was like, the guy I do the morning show with Deke. Uh, he's like I was saying, he's yeah. a big Ohio State guy. He. I think he told me it's bigger than than Cleveland and yeah. Cincinnati combined. Combined, yeah. It's, I think the 13th largest city. You'd have to check it for this year's. But when we were there, that was one of those things. Seabus. Yeah, yeah, it's big. Seabus is big, and it's a great great atmosphere. It's going to be a great place for the Final Four. I, you know, I, I, I certainly hope we're playing those guys in it. Sure. But, you know, that'd be that'd be awesome. But, yeah. uh, you know, if not, if they're in it, I'll be uh, I'll, I'll be up there cheering the Buckeyes on and, and, and being – not needing a GPS and all those things, knowing where I'm at, it's going to be fun. Going to be fun having it up there. How'd you feel about your first podcast? You know what? That was effortless. I, you know, I, effortless, I, which I, just feels like a couple of buddies talking. Yeah. And I hope some people will enjoy listening to it because I, I think it can be that. Hopefully, you've got about an hour drive somewhere, and that's yeah. kind of about that number because yeah. I drive an hour back and forth to see my mom, and in yeah. in our state, maybe it's two time two drives or whatever, but. Uh, uh, hopefully it's going to be like our newsletter and give a little bit of people uh, a little bit of something for everybody, uh, uh, some insight to our program, some just general leadership, uh, some pop culture oh, yeah. uh, references in there. Until next time. Yeah, we'll, we'll get them. Yeah, we're going to get to the movies and the books, and I'm really excited about uh, our guests next week as well. Uh, I think we'll always have somebody on here that'll be somebody that impacted me and my coaching philosophy and my style, but from all genres, you know, from from TV, from music. Uh, to books, to authors, to, to other coaches, and um, it's uh, it was effortless. Yeah, and, and I hope people uh, listen to it and uh, get the same feel that uh, uh, that we did doing it. No, it was a lot of fun, and we want to remind you: you can join the Arkansas Razorback women's basketball on all the social media, not just Facebook. 
not just Twitter, but also the YouTube channel. It's exciting what you guys have going on on your YouTube yeah. channel. I mean, that's uh, unbelievable. You got drills. You got yeah. all sorts of stuff going on there. Well, uh, I've got a 15 year old son who I don't think watches TV anymore. It's just all YouTube. He watches YouTube. Yeah. And I, I kept watching him watch it, and I kept thinking, <laughs> well, we need to do something like this, too, because this is where it's going. It's kicking it in the neighborhood, right? Kicking it in the neighborhood. I thought, very, uh, you know, Coach Love on my staff is um, really into social media and, and the pop culture stuff, and we got it going. And, you know, we're going to have some drills on there that coaches can go on there and replay over and over and over and, and see some of our players going through them and utilize those with their teams. Uh, some behind-the-scenes looks. Um, we had the first one was a shot out at my house after we'd had a, a little uh, welcome back party, and there's always going to be moments like that. Uh, just all access, yeah. you know, and, and I want people to feel um, engaged with us. And I don't think you can feel like that if all you see is the games. Right, if, right. If you, if you, you wouldn't recognize half of our kids – dressed up going to class they just look so different and and, and you you don't understand uh you know i can't wait to get grace spangler a a local girl here on here playing guitar with me i'm in Uh, she can play bring it in we're gonna my kid in here playing bass man we're we're gonna have a band yeah we're gonna have a band going so just those things i think you know again like you went back about talking about vulnerability i think a lot of coaches would maybe be a little bit skeptical about letting you see that stuff but just uh, also i I think it's unique to me I, i think there's such a there, there's such a feeling of you have to have such authoritarian, never be wrong. If I'm ever wrong, there's going to be a, you know, some yeah. sort of chink in the armor or things like that. But you've kind of shown that it actually connects and there's an authenticity in that with the players. It's the only way I felt like I could connect to these kids these days. You know, I, I, I don't have a thousand games of experience to go against some of these coaches that are in this league. And when you walk in that SEC meeting and you look around the room at the number of people who have national championships or in the Hall of Fames, right. uh, you have to figure out what can I do. I'm, I'm not going to outcoach any of these guys. These guys have got way more experience and so I have to outconnect them and I have to outdo those things that maybe they're not as prepared. Was that something the players that were on on the on in program really connected immediately with? Without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. Just that um and again, I I didn't come in here trying to be different or trying to be, you know, um contrary to anything but you're i just not wanted to be me. highway guy no 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 uh-uh. and it's hey we got to do this together right. and again if if this was a my way or the highway world these days i, I wouldn't mm. have a job yeah you know and if uh and, and i get that and uh, I, I think we've got to have people beside us thinking the similar thoughts um that we're gonna trust each other to get it done together uh, and it's the only way I think that that you can do it anywhere, but specifically in the situation that we're in. Well, I think the Razorback fans are in for a treat. I think that they're going to be so excited to not just follow the team, but come to the games. Also, like we said, follow them on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and it's going to be something that the, the passion for the program is going to mirror your passion for the program. And I think it's something that's really exciting. As a guy who is there for every game too, which I'm fired up about, and I love being a part of the women's basketball program. I can't wait for this year, and I can't wait for our next podcast. I'm looking forward to it too thanks for starting it off with uh in a good way absolutely you guys are in the neighborhood it's a podcast every couple weeks and we appreciate you guys listening and join us back here in another couple of weeks in the neighborhood with coach mike neighbors thanks for listening to the neighborhood with your host mike neighbors and john williams and stay up to date on all the latest happenings with razorback women's basketball by following us on twitter instagram and snapchat at razorback wbb 